This one featured Scully and Hitchcock. Oh yeah, yeah. So they did a re- a, a new one. That's hilarious. Yes. Oh man. And uh, we should really do a an episode about Brooklyn Nine Nine when it comes back next year. But that's not what we're going to talk about today, because welcome to Geeks with Kids, your bi-weekly geeky podcast from a parenting point of view. I'm one of your hosts, Eric, and joining me this week is Mike. Wait, I guess I have to do um, last names because you guys are both Mikes. That's confusing. Yeah, we are. Uh, So hi, shows. Hey. (laughs) And Hawk. Hey. Hey. How's it going, guys? Not bad. How about you? Uh, I'm tired and tired, but that's okay, because maybe I'll be going to the... What is that? Cynodome or whatever? Cinesphere. Cinesphere. Oh, yes. The Cinesphere in Toronto because uh, The Dark Knight is back in theaters really for just a week or something like that because it's celebrating its 10th anniversary. So we thought, why not celebrate that 10th year anniversary by talking about the film? And I know for myself, I'm a really big fan of the film. I like most of the internet and a lot of the critics call it probably one of the crowning achievements in comic book films, if not the best comic book film of all time. Um, I know some people would disagree, maybe some people on this podcast itself, um, which is strange because, you know, Steve's not here to talk about it. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, so um, and it was like uh, one of the first films to get Oscar nominated, at least for um, a, a comic book film. Why don't we start way back 10 years ago? The film was released on July 18th, 2008. Do you guys remember seeing the film um, back then? I assume everyone saw the film because I definitely saw it three or four times. Absolutely. Uh, um, why don't we start with uh, Hawk? Uh, tell us about your first time seeing it and then your reaction to it. Well, 2008 was a great year because, like, I was still buzzing off of seeing Iron Man back in May. Uh, and, I, you know, Dark Knight was always on my radar in that because I was a huge fan of, of Batman Begins. Uh, seeing that in the cinema and then, like, it still doesn't get enough credit for what it did for the genre as a whole. Uh, but as far as Dark Knight, uh, yeah, twice in the theater, loved it both times. Uh, I was a little surprised. Second time I saw I saw it, I was with my sister in that. It's not normally a big, you know, superhero, comic book, or even an action film kind of uh, movie viewer in that. And uh, I was surprised by some of her reactions in that uh, to, like, the Joker scenes. Uh, in particular, uh, the gaffes she let out during the pencil scene. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. The the magic trick. Yeah. 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 And she, she liked the film? Oh, yeah. A lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Enough to see it again. Yeah. You know, when he, Oh, when we got it on Blu-ray in December. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, what about you, uh, Shos? Do you remember seeing it? Yeah, and 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 so yeah, I'm sort of that dissenting voice in this podcast. Uh, I I actually saw it for the first time on Blu-ray. I never saw it in the theater. Um, Boo. And the reason I didn't see it in the theater is I didn't care for Batman Begins, and um, <laughs> and I think it's because I was looking for something different in my superhero movies, and I I had just seen uh, Iron, you know, I I enjoyed Iron Man quite a bit, and I was really into like the Spider-Man films as well, the the ones that were was it Sony that put those out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, uh, the ones with Tobey Maguire. Yeah, yeah. You like like he- I, I like my superhero movies to be uh, popcorn films. You know, I w- I wanted them to to make me smile. I wanted them to uh, just be very flashy and and. And, and and I mean I feel I'm I'm a different viewer now than I was then, um, but Batman Begins I, I I found it at the time I found it boring I was like this isn't what I wanted 
to see in, in a Batman movie. And so I wasn't super you wanted, excited. You wanted neon lights and uh, hockey skates and <laughs> puns? Yeah. Oh. Oh, <laughs> That's right. You, Holy rusted metal, Batman. You wanted penguins with bombs uh, strapped to them, uh, making their way towards Gotham <laughs> during Christmas? Yeah. Yeah, and 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 I I was all about those films, like, and I know that they progressively got worse and worse. And I mean, now I can tell how bad they <laughs> they they really were. Only but, now, you know, watching watching those movies, you know, with Schwarzenegger and you know Jim Carrey and 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 all those different you know characters, this seemingly making the Batman films more more neon and and more uh, over the top uh, put me in a certain place. And and so uh, Batman Begins, I, I think maybe was kind of a reset. And and when I saw that, I was like, I don't know, I don't know if 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 that's going to be the kind of film for me. And so when Dark Knight came out, I just didn't go to see it in the theater. Um, but I saw it on Blu-ray, and and I remember it, it it made me quite uncomfortable. And 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 I I mean since I, and I just watched it again last night. But since, since watching it now, I, I I think that was a good thing uh, that it made me uncomfortable. Um, but I feel like, uh, watching it then it, 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 it sort of made me feel like that this isn't why I'm here to see a movie. I don't, I don't want the Joker to make me feel this nervous, to make me feel this scared. Um, why not? but, uh, yeah, it was, so, it was, so, so, so was your uncomfortableness purely by the actions of the Joker and what he did? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So basically him trying to, his whole NR and our, and uh, anarchistic, anarchistic, Anarchi- anarchistic, anarchistic hey. uh, attitude to to life, and then how he could uh, destroy the city by you know corrupting one of its yeah. shining white. I, I, I wasn't yeah. used to seeing a villain that unchained. You know what I mean? Like mm. I, I, I always felt like villains in movies still sort of fit into a box. And I, I know there are certainly a lot of exceptions to that, but I always felt like like a, a villain will only go so far and uh and and this may have been one of my first experiences seeing a, a villain especially in a film like this that, that didn't seem to be held down by any type of 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 sort of rules and and that made me uncomfortable hmm interesting um that's actually um really interesting because you know the joker is like the spirit of anarchy uh especially in this film and uh to to be i think that was the point of him it's totally to make, the point of the joker to yeah. make everyone to make everyone uncomfortable because that is something that could happen in like corruption of a politician i don't know if you guys have been paying attention in the states but uh <laughs> you know <laughs> that whole um there's a little bit of yeah, I might have seen one too. or two news articles yeah so no that, i'm the Joker, the Joker as a villain is the last person anybody would ever want to be in a room with. Yeah, you know, because that is the whole point of the character, and that you don't know what he is going to do. He yeah. doesn't even know what he is going to do until no, he decides. To do I, it. I don't think that's necessarily true, but we can talk about the Joker uh, a little bit once we get into each of the characters and the people portraying them in the film. Um, when I saw it in 2008, I was living with a, a house full of girls, all theater girls, um, and. Um, like I ended up going to, I assume a midnight show because that's what I did back then with uh, Stu, you know, friend of the podcast, Stu, mm-hmm. and we What's loved, up, we loved the the film, obviously, because you know I'm a big Batman fan, a fan of the comics, and fan of the car- cartoons. Pretty much any medium that he's in, um, I've very much enjoyed him. I very much enjoyed the the Arkham Knight games or the Arkham Batman games um, that were on the 
you know, PlayStation, oh, yeah. except for the last one, but that's purely by my own qualms with the Batmobile stuff. Yeah. Anywho, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw it three or four times, and um, I think my housemates ended up going as well, which is, you know, they're like they're I, they're not snotty theater people, well, at least uh, not one of them, but like, you know, they're they're sort of uppity, and it's not sort of that film that you'd expect them to go to, but they ended up going and loving it, and then going and see it a second time. So, you know, that sort of speaks to the well, they're fans of film, so it sort of speaks to the quality of that film um, and how it was um, portrayed, or at least taken by a lot of people. This um, this film also was one of the first films to feature the IMAX format. Uh, Christopher Nolan actually ended up using actual IMAX cameras to shoot certain sequences that he wanted the film to feel bigger than life. Um, mm-hmm. And the, he succeeded. Uh, yeah, on, on it, it was... Scale. And it's crazy because he had to build like they actually had the engineer rigs because of the shots that he wanted to do. So the 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 ones that stick out in my mind, and I'm pretty sure for most people, it's all like it's the big sequences in the film. It's the beginning, the heist, yeah, was the first IMAX, the skyhook scene, yes, uh, the the um, the the transport scene where they're taking Harvey Dent. Yes. Um, to jail. So that's another IMAX sequence. And did they do the ending into IMAX? I can't re- recall. Um, I haven't seen it in a week. <laughs> Honestly, I saw the. I watched the movie again last week. But um, I don't, I think those are the three main big ones. Right. That they, um, that they did. The oh, did you guys tr- actually see it in IMAX? Yeah, I I I made a point to go see it in IMAX. I uh, because I can't remember if I saw it in IMAX or not. Um, hmm. Like, I'm just wondering, I, if, if does that mean that, like, is that the kind of thing where you're watching the movie and then when you got to that sequence in the movie, the, the screen sort of got wider and bigger? Oh, yes. So, so basically um, what they did is they, they used the full. So if you're watching it on your TV right now, if you watch a regular film, you'll still get the black bars on the top and the bottom, right? Because of the aspect ratio of the widescreen that we watch for films, at least for films in, in theater. But for IMAX, they use the full width of that. It's it's a full it's a bit it's a fuller frame. Okay. Uh, so the the good thing about IMAX is that you get the the bigger resolution. Like it, it's film it was filmed on seventy mil, um, and then you get the the higher quality sound because it has to hit certain um, standards to be an IMAX film. Okay. And that was an official IMAX film. Um, you'll see now that people. Are, that, that there are films that are formatted for IMAX. You should see this in IMAX, but basically what they're doing is they're just, they're not putting in the bars that they do when they um, release the film. So it's not real IMAX. So you have to are, go to actual they, people who use the IMAX. Are they actually cameras. cutting off part of the, the picture in that in order to fill the screen? Uh, with um, No, no, no. So, um, so when they're filming um, on the monitors, you'll see that, um, they shoot for a certain aspect ratio and then there's, there's headroom and then there's room at the bottom. Basically in those IMAX sequences, they'll put that in Okay. Oh, okay. For, for films that aren't shot on IMAX cameras. Okay. So yeah, that's a little bit of history about <laughs> IMAX. Anyway, so where I was going with this was that um, since this was done with the dark Knight, you'll see often see films nowadays, or at least films, 
in subsequent years after that film to get the IMAX treatment, we started seeing 3D movies come back into the into the fold. And now they're doing 4D and they're doing moving chairs like the DCs. Mm-hmm. Is there something that'll get you to go see a, a, a film? Is this like, would an IMAX film make you want to go out and be like, oh, I'm going to spend the extra $8 to go see this in IMAX or 3D or maybe I'm going to go in these moving seats. Uh, let's go with the hockey. Uh, occasionally there is a film and that usually anything related to Marvel will make me shell out the end of the additional cash to sit in a D box seat or, you know, uh, an IMAX. Um, I had a fantastic experience seeing infinity war the second time this, uh, this summer that in IMAX, um, there was so much more detail to it. Uh, every, you know, the CGI characters blended better with the human characters they were interacting with. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, IMAX formatting and all the all the bells and whistles that go with it, but uh, it would usually make me shell the extra mm-hmm. cash. What about you, uh, chefs? Yeah, I, I think just like Hawk was saying, depending on the film, um, I remember one that really stuck out in my mind was uh, Avatar. You know, James Cameron's mm-hmm. Avatar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw that in IMAX, and and wow, like just the size of the screen and and how immersive it felt. I think I also saw IMAX 3D, so it was there was a lot going on, and it just was incredible. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I too am uh, one of those people that um that gets pulled into these special format uh, films. I, I think that uh, Infinity War was actually the first, if not one of the only, uh, Marvel films that used I um actual mm-hmm. IMAX cameras, so they've shot for the format. I wish that they had released the Blu-ray with that footage. Unfortunately, they oh. did not. Um. Which you know, a lot of people. Will that be a special edition later? You you never know. Like, um, it's it's really annoying when you see uh, companies do that, especially when you know that there's still space on those Blu-rays for <laughs> Absolutely. that, right? Um, yeah, or even space on a second disc. And, and, you know, why not? Yeah, exactly. Um, the but I, I like I love I love seeing new technology, and I think when films utilize it really well, like the Avengers or like the Dark Knight, um, it's really good. And if you do see a bad movie using this technology, like I saw, um, I, I tend to go see films in the D box seats because I get scene points and then I just get free movies yeah. every time I go. So every time I go, I'm just like, it's the same amount of points for a D box or one of these AVX theaters. So why don't I just do the D box in the AVX and have fun while there doing it? <laughs> so just go all out. You know, it, it can make a bad movie good. Like I saw. What was the movie? I saw the new Ghostbusters movie, the movie that came out last year that, was, that I wanted to be really good, but ended up just being Mediocre. really disappointing. But the D-Box film made Ooh. it fun. Like I had way more fun. Like, and then an extra experience as part of it. Exactly. And then I saw the like I saw the Hobbit in that forty-eight yes. frames per second thing that they were doing. Um, and you know, it was neat to watch. It sort of looked weird, but it it. You know, it enhanced the experiences, which is really what I want, especially when you're spending that much money and really going to the movie theaters is now an experience like like you can see a movie at home, but it, you won't have no. the same feel as you do if you go to the to the film. Yeah. Anyway, so speaking of this film, um, a lot of people have praised the portrayal of the character, the various characters in this film. Um, why don't we start with Christian Bale? The Batman, the main man himself, um, he had he 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 has he's quite a character in himself, just as an actor. Um, 
But what did you think of his portrayal as Batman slash um, Bruce Wayne in the film? Go shows. Okay. Um, I've, I, I liked him. I, I thought he was, he was quite good. Um, I liked him better as Bruce Wayne. Hmm. Um, I feel then as Batman, I, I, I thought that there were a few times where he made some kind of interesting faces when he was uh, in the mask. <laughs> uh, but uh, overall, I, I, you know, and, and to sort of go back to my original conversation before about um, about how I really wasn't into the film when I had first seen it, um, I did watch it yesterday and I had a very different experience with it. Like I actually was really, really into it yesterday. And my wife actually came to join me for most of the film. And she, uh, just like you guys were saying about uh, you know various people in your lives that have seen the film, um, she was really into it too. Like we must have talked about the movie for like 45 minutes after we finished watching it. Nah, you should have recorded um, it. We could have put it at the end of this podcast. I know. I kept telling her she needs to, she needs to come and join the episode and, and, and give her thoughts. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like as, as I, you know, you, you can't help but compare, you know, different Batmans, right? Cause we've seen so many of them. Right. For sure. uh, but, but I, I liked him. I, I was, uh, you know, his, his he, he does have an interesting way of, of communicating as Batman and I was trying to justify his gravelly voice by uh, saying, and you guys can tell me if I'm right or, or, or wrong here on this, but it, it seemed like he, that's how he was trying to hide his identity by t- oh, no. changing his voice. For sure. For sure. That's what he did. I really do. The one really good aspect of the current generation is using the voice modulator. But um, I, I think, I think Bale did fine using the gravelly voice. Um, what, what aspect of him playing Bruce Wayne did you, re- you were saying that you really enjoyed his portrayal of it. But what aspect of his portrayal did you like? Uh, I, I mean, just he, he did have sort of like a cocky kind of rich guy feel. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he reminded me a little bit of Tony Stark <clears throat> in, in some of the way, you know, when he walked in uh, from the helicopter with the two women on his arms. <laughs> yeah. Or, or when he goes into the restaurant and he says, oh, they're going to let us pull up two tables here. I own this place. Yeah. You know, like, like that kind of thing. Like it, it, uh, it, I, I kind of liked the, the, the dickishness that he was portraying as Bruce Wayne. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, what about you? What about you, Hawk? Uh, I thought Christian Bale was a perfect actor for it, particularly in the uh, Batman Begins and that, because it was such a well-rounded kind of transformation in that, uh, that he underwent. It's, uh, the, the character, you know, the actor as a character uh, really pulled it off. And the fact that like the, the scene where he's coming home from college, he even looked, mm-hmm. even kind of physically looked a little younger uh, if if that makes yeah. any sense in that, without any sort of you know fancy makeup or anything or CGI tricks in that, haha, Tony Stark. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then to you know to go from that angry young man to, uh, to finally back to Bruce Wayne and that after like you know the various experiences that he, you know shaped Batman and that imprisonment, uh, a life of crime. Uh, all in studying this, uh, it's interesting that you, you were bringing up the topic of his uh, his uh, billionaire boy portrayal in that because uh, that whole that whole aspect of Bruce Wayne is, is a complete fabrication. Yeah, like he was really putting on a, He was putting on a show for everybody, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's putting on a show for everybody around him in that he, he is just basically portraying a character of a, of a billionaire playboy in that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, he goes over the top with it and that because that's not really him. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a lot of um not theories, but there are a lot of writings out there about how Batman is his real persona and Bruce Wayne is the mask. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. See, whereas like for Superman, his real self is Clark Kent, and then he puts on the Superman portrayal, right? Like um, it's it's really interesting to to look at those aspects of like the mask and. 
and who the real person is behind. Like I love I love Christian Bale as well. I think I think his his portrayal as both Bruce Wayne and Batman is very methodical and you can see that he he's a very professional actor like he he thinks through his roles like he re- researches them a lot and every little, Oh he's he, yeah he's, he's a he's, very committed actor in that cuz you uh, I hate to interrupt but like you know the the role he did before this movie right before Batman begins was uh, yeah. a machinist yeah where he lost 80 pounds for that role um oh. but then but like the research that he went into it like you can see it in just the little mannerisms that he had as Bruce Wayne like you'll see him at the party like you were talking about how um he came in like the swagger and stuff like drinks in hand women on his hand but like then he goes out into the balcony like for some alone time and he spits out his wine because you know that he can't be drinking because he might have to go out and fight. And like, right. there's, there's like those little nods like Chris Nolan and and um, Christian Bale, like their work together just for that, like the, those little character moments that are like nothing are perfect for those characters because like it just adds so much if you notice it. But you yeah. don't have to because it seems so natural. Um and it's, it's well, and it's that that Playboy part that that over over the top is is why more people don't, you know, sort sort of guess that he might be Batman. Mm-hmm. Like like that that scene where he he jumps the his Lambo in front of that um to save that dude that was gonna reveal his yeah. identity. Like, and he's just like, "What what are you talking about? I was trying to run the light." Like all of that stuff. Like <laughs> yeah. it's, it, it's so well done, um, <laughs> and. Uh, like there's a reason why people call this a good film not just like a good movie like it's a film like it's a piece of work like so good um but let's move on to let let's give let's not give christian bale any more praise he get he it goes to his head you've 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 heard the stories (laughs) about him and and his uh his terminator stuff we all heard that audio tape (laughs) but but anyway so in, in 2016 uh, so two years ago, the internet was ablaze because Jared Leto and WB, WB, yeah, WB, uh, released the first image of him as the Joker for Suicide Squad. And people were like, oh, my God, what are they doing? And, you know, the internet goes crazy like that. But, you know, unfortunately, we saw the film and there was just cause for that. <laughs> but but people should remember that 10 years ago, they released the first image, like promo image of Heath Ledger as the Joker and people went nuts because he wasn't the traditional, you know, white makeup. And then the, the Jack, pretty much people were expecting Jack Nicholson. Right. Let's be honest. They, That's what people wanted to see. They wanted this. They wanted to see, you know, the coiffed hair, uh, you know, the yeah. fine tailored purple suit. You know, uh, they did. And they were confused when they saw this and that I was not because I expected this and that I'd seen what he had done, like trying to ground, uh, put Gotham and the whole kind of DC universe into a more grounded, recognizable reality in that. Uh, and I totally expected, you know, the Joker is portrayal to be grounded in that kind of same kind of realism. Mm-hmm. In that. I didn't exactly know what they were going to do, but it, it wasn't surprising to me what they did. It, it was going to be something different for sure. Like you could tell that, um, like you could tell that that's where they were going. Like you, you saw it with the scarecrow. Like he wasn't yeah. traditionally. Yeah, it made sense. Um, yeah. So the internet went ablaze, and then people saw the film and were like, "Okay, Oscar!" Yeah, <laughs> and then they gave him the yeah. Oscar yeah. for it, which was, you know, well deserved. Um, what did you guys? We we talked about our expectations, like me and you, um, 
uh, Hawk talked about our expectations. Uh, Shouse, did you have any expectations going into the film? I guess you had seen things before you actually saw yeah. the film. Um, did you have any expectations for his portrayal of the Joker? Like, I mean, he looked super creepy. <clears throat> I like I, I didn't really have specific expectations around his acting. I don't think I knew a lot about uh, his his acting prior to that film. Except for 10 things I hate about you. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> um, but but like I said before, like when I actually saw him in the movie, it, it made me very uncomfortable in a way that I wasn't used to uh, mm-hmm. watching films. Yeah, he um, he he locked himself in an apartment to get in, to get ready for that role. Like he isolated himself like, again, another very dedicated actor. Um, and he, you know, he brought everything to that role. And it's, it's incredible to see that Joker. That's just he's so methodical and so anarchic. Oh, God, I can't say this word. Anar- Anar- anarchistic. Anarchistic. Oh, my. This is this is horrible. And I, I, I know how to spell it. I apparently just don't know how to say it. Um, but like everything that he wanted to do to, to like tear down society, like he thought it all through and that's the the cool thing about the joker like people think that he's just like off his like rocker he just doesn't know what he's doing he's just it's just full anarchy where it's you know chaos anarchy but no his is the methodical and he was in charge the whole time he knew what he wanted to bring down and he knew how to do it like he knew how people um reacted and stuff have you guys heard any of the theories about the backstory of the joker that people have been coming up with about his portrayal in in as far as the dark knight universe yes. okay no no yeah. i haven't, I haven't so, so, uh, so enlighten us so the, the most popular one that i've seen online is that he's ex special forces like um like something broke when he went away like he 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 was part of it like a special team that did um interrogations on on uh, enemy combatants like you see that with um you know how he does the whole um, when he gets captured and he faces off with Batman in the interrogation room, like it's methodical mm-hmm. how he's like playing off of him and knowing where it could go. Um, yeah. And people were talking about his military, his training and stuff like that. You can see that certain ways that he held himself with weapons or with um, what he planned to do. Um, what do you guys think about this um, theory? That's theory. I don't know. That theory really doesn't hold hold any kind of water. It, it's me. well. It's uh, way better. Like it's better explained than what I said because I can't totally remember it. But um, a lot of it was based on that interrogation scene. See, the thing about the portrayal of him in the Dark Knight universe is that we, you know, it's a mystery. We don't know where he came from, and that, mm-hmm. um, and that's part of joke- his story, right? Because yeah. every time he told his, um, oh, this this was yeah. another part is because he kept on changing his story, so he wanted yeah. to to off kilter yeah. everyone as that he talked we, to. As far as we know about him, he could have been the most straight laced, ordinary guy with no military training, and mm-hmm. that something happened to this man along the way, and that that caused a complete shift in you know in his his personality, his mental uh, perspective. I, I don't know how to phrase it, mm-hmm. but we're talking about a complete flip of a human, of a human being uh, from somebody ordinary into is somebody monstrous. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess it's, you know, I guess that line he said about being ahead of the curve. 
mm-hmm. uh, with, with a little telling in that. There was a theory uh, back when uh, in the uh, – oh, it was an old comic book, uh, the Arkham Asylum comic graphic novel. I don't know if you guys remember that from years ago. Um, there was a psychiatrist who diagnosed the Joker in that as having a hyper hypersanity. And it was a form of madness uh, in which to cope with the modern world around him. And I always found that very telling about the character. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? It, um, well, let's go with the shows first. What do you think of that? All of those theories are really, really interesting to me. Because I, I, I was really uh, engrossed by the idea that we didn't know anything about this guy. And and so that sort of takes your imagination anywhere, anywhere that it, it could possibly go. Like mm-hmm. it, it, sure. he could totally have just been a normal guy or he could, you know, he could, there could have been some kind of a comic book origin style thing with him where, you know, like, uh, was it, wasn't it in, in the, uh, the, the Jack Nicholson one where he falls into a vat of sure. yeah, yeah, chemical, yeah. It was right? So slightly, there's, there's like an origin story. Yeah, slightly adapted from the Alan Moore, uh, you know, killing joke storyline, I believe. But, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. involving With the it. red hood and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think when it comes down to it, it's like he, basically the origin of that character is that he, he's he's simply reciprocity uh, to mm. what, you know, Bruce Wayne started when he adopted the Batman. Anti-Batman. Yeah. 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 He, he, he was the inevitable, the inevitable pushback. Mm hmm. It, 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 it was. Um, and I think they the, the whole um the whole ending of Batman begins where they start talking about escalation. Yes. Like this is the perfect thing. Like you get, you get Batman in his suit and you get this now, this crazy guy in a suit. That's, I don't want to say crazy cause he's not crazy. No. Right. Um, he's just, he, he is, he, he is, he is, he is the Joker. It's, it's hard to go in to yeah. say anything other than yeah. that. Um, the, but it's like, uh, Sorry, no. sorry. Go uh, it's it's no, go. Um, yeah, and the way he was described in that, you know, it's like it wasn't, you know, it was very grounded in the the realism in that because he, you know, he, they mm-hmm. were tracking his criminal record of you know armed robbery, a murder, you know, the rap sheet of you know just like basically uh, an escalating violent criminal, you know. Yeah, yeah that's, that's that's the thing that really upset me about the Suicide Squad for the Joker portrayal because from what we see of the Joker, it doesn't seem like there's no reasoning for him to be that dickish, right? He was just being a dick for being a dick's sake. Like he was just killing people. Because, Hanging out in clubs, you know, drinking. Like it, it no, if it, it yeah. felt wrong, it, he felt like a gangbanger yes. and it just like, uh, there's there, like, there was nothing, there was nothing really scary about him other than he was just, you know, he'll kill you. Because he yeah. wants to, but the joke. But there was this line in a comic book. I wish I had which issue it was for Batman, and um, the Joker is like, um, you know what? He he takes the Batmobile and he's like, and he tells this like street urchin to look after the car for him, and the kid's like, oh no, I can't do that because um, you'll kill me. And he's like, why would I kill you? What, what's so funny I about that? I would only kill you and if that, it was like, funny, right? And that that that. I think that line in itself encompasses what yeah. the Joker is. Um, the but, you know, even even in the 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 Dark Knight, there's a, there's a line in in the movie near the near the beginning where they're they're trying to do this whole thing against the the mafia. Yeah, I can't remember if it was Batman that says it or, or one of them says, "Forget forget about the clown. We'll deal with him later." This is the mafia. Yeah. 
Yeah, they so they, they had important. bigger they had bigger fish to fry, right? Uh, yeah, without realizing that he was really the biggest fish in the pond. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like because because yeah. he was not only was Batman working against the mob, but so was the Joker, and they didn't yeah. realize that. And that was yeah. their they they assumed just just because he was dressed up like a cloud, they could just yeah they don't have to deal with him because he's just another lunatic. Um, yeah, and right. that was their downfall for that. Um, the cool thing about the Joker is that he um, he wanted to prove this point that he could, you know, corrupt, like we talked about earlier, corrupt one of the, the brightest shining stars, which was Harvey Dent in the film. And then we get to see a wonderful portrayal of Two-Face uh, mm-hmm. by Aaron Eckhart in that film. Um, mm-hmm. I think the most, the best thing about uh, the, the idea of Two-Face uh, in this film, especially, you know, it, it's pretty much in comics as well, um, is that he's the mirror opposite of, of ba- of Bruce Wayne, right? Um, he like you get Harvey Knight, Harvey. Working as the, the, uh, as, I think I get it. You know, working, the upstanding working class, politician, uh, you know, and then yeah, on the- yeah, he's upstanding. He's a politician. Then you get Bruce Wayne, who's the you know the playboy drunk, and then you, you yeah. get that dark side of. They both have dark sides, but the dark side of Bruce Wayne is yeah. a more vigilant stuff, and then uh, Two Face is, you know, the criminal stuff. Like he he didn't take he took things for chance, hence the coin. Uh, what did you think of Aaron Eckhart in the film? Uh, Shouse go. I thought it was amazing, and, and I I thought like he he really did make you feel like he had this virtue about him, and and he was really good at his job. And there was a point in, in the film where it seemed like. Um, even Batman was like, this guy can take over for me. I don't even need to be doing this anymore. Right. Uh, and, and from, from that, I did find the transformation into two face, uh, a little bit unbelievable for me. Um, I, I felt like it, um, even though like, as like, as an actor, I thought he did a fantastic job and I was really into the character, but it just seemed like he turned, he turned evil a little bit too quickly for me to believe i don't know what you guys thought about that i think more that he, it was a gradual turn like the joker was like just peeling different pieces away from him like like showing the corruption of the of the of all his people and then like right. and then you know killing the love of his life and then scarring him physically like it i think it just broke him and i think that's what the joker wanted to show batman is that he could break anyone but he right. couldn't because he didn't make batman break his rule uh, that was that was always a weird point for me because I wasn't exactly sure if you know him breaking Harvey Dent was part of the plan originally or if it was a modification of the plan you know based on the fact that he was actually you know so badly injured in that from Batman rescuing him and that uh, I do believe he knew Batman would uh, go for Rachel which is why he gave him Harvey's address instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know if, like, I you know, I wasn't entirely sure that that was always part of the plan. Is was to break. I don't, I don't like know. That. I think it was just to break him. I don't think he wanted him to go that far. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe the loony bin would have been fine for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was definitely a, a plot to to you know take someone so that was supposed to save the city in the limelight and just like. Get rid of him and show. Yeah, like show, like Joker show, was just show the. Yeah, no, it was more that he wanted to show the city that he can corrupt anyone, and, and that it's it that it's his city. 
Not just right. I knew I knew he would probably want to break him, but as far as corrupting him, I you know as I said, I think the Joker it was much more adaptable in his plans than that. You know, uh, yeah. as as far as you know taking advantage sure. of the circumstances. As soon as as soon as he knew that he lived, I think the gears just went into overdrive and was like, okay, now I know what I can go with him even mm-hmm. more so. Yeah. Like I think he just wanted to break the city at that point, yeah, and then just right. went from there. And made it even better. Yeah. <laughs> and I think um, I, that's an important point we should probably bring up in that about the Joker and that because, like, I, you know, in every, you know, usually, like, you know, he is so uncategorizable as far as his motive. Um, mm-hmm. His his goals are uh, and his struggle against like Batman are always ideological. There's yeah. there's never any material gain or anything to be you know everything is just about you know, you know a, pers- a a point of view. I remember there was a there's a there was going to be a scene in um, Dark Knight Rises where they were going to go to the Arkham and one of the they were just going to go by one of the cells and it was going to have the Joker laughing or they were going to open the cell to the Joker and he was going to be gone uh, just as like a nice little Easter egg. And I sort of wish that they did that. But, you know, without Heath, it would have been a little weird. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. from what I had understood, he, he was supposed to play an important part in the in the third film, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, the, like you, you get that you can you can see that with this movie, right? He brought back uh, Cillian Murphy as the yeah the scarecrow right at the beginning to show that you know the the gears are always going like he doesn't kill people like you know all the other Batman. Um, <laughs> so you know, <laughs> and it's literally <laughs> every single Batman except for him has killed. Yeah, um, they really yeah all, yeah all their opponents. Well, let's see, uh, Jim Carrey. Well, he he let Rajal Ghoul die, but he didn't kill him. He just didn't save him. You know, like Daredevil. But, uh, <laughs> but um, you know what? Let you know what? Let what about? Is there anyone else you want to talk about? Like we can talk about Michael Caine. Uh, we could talk about um, Har- um, not Harvey Dent. Uh, That's the first time we saw Renee uh, Montoya on film um, as a character. And then um, who else do we see? New Rachel. Wait, wait, oh, let's go in this. New Rachel. What's uh, always Gillen. my biggest sticking point with the Dark Knight. And the, I don't know why they really they had to fire Katie Holmes in that. I know the you know She didn't come well, back. Well, from what she I understood, don't. it was uh, the whole thing uh the whole uh how what was their name at the time? Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes. Uh, Tom Cruise and their, their, yeah. their abbreviated was, name. What was their name? <laughs> I don't recall this. Apparently, at all. the yeah, producers hated the whole thing in that, you know, like because it was. They said it took attention away from Batman Begins, and they, you know, they even blamed her for, you know, potentially hurting the box office draw on that, and that's why she was not invited back to the next film. She was uh, invited. Um, she walked away. Um, that's um, that was from her, like when she got oh. interviewed about it. Um, okay. um, so um, anyway, basically. I, I would have loved it, and, and that was the I time when she to come back and that because I, my, I was not a yeah. big fan of Maggie Gyllenhaal. I'll say I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. So basically, she because of the Tom Cruise Scientology thing, she walked away from um, the the Batman that makes more sense. franchise. Unfortunately, um, oh, okay. and then um, you know, because Christopher Nolan wanted him her to come back, obviously, because you know you never want to recast a character of that importance. Yeah, that's of that importance, especially in in the middle of a um, franchise uh, reboot. Basically, um, yeah. Well, I thought you know, I thought 
Maggie Gyllenhaal did fine. Um, she's a good actress. I had no qualms. She wasn't she wasn't magnificent and she wasn't horrible. Mm. She was just sort of yeah. I kind of felt yes. the same way. Maggie Gyllenhaal. <laughs> No, no one, no one wants to go to bat for her. No, or as a fan of Batman Begins, and uh, I think uh, she actually brought a lot to that character and that uh, as of Rachel Dawes, and that uh, she was one of the main draws of that film for me, and that uh, and I like the chemistry between her and Christian Bale a lot better. She had this spunkiness in the first film that wasn't really. She was sort of spunky in the second one. She just sort of seemed more. uh, She was all right. She was all right. She was more of a plot point to this film, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alfred, amazing as always. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Caine. Yeah, Michael. The the the. Whenever I think about doing an accent, or like a British accent, or at least a Michael Caine, I think of his um, the size of a tangerine. Uh, <laughs> the thing that he says in this, and it's because of um. Uh, do you, did you guys ever see that uh, trip movie or yes, that road trip? They do the they so, do the competing Michael Caine accents. Yeah, oh. the competing Michael Caine accent. So whenever I what like when I first saw that, I was like, "Oh my god, it's really easy to do a Michael Caine accent." <laughs> and then I always do that now. You just, so whenever I uh, think of it, when your voice, when it goes emotional, it gets drawn out really? a bit, a bit, <laughs> <laughs> the size of a tangerine. <laughs> and then they, they they go into the early, um, <laughs> the early Michael Caine versus the the later Michael Caine. Oh man, brilliant! If you haven't seen the film, guys, you you, you, you not, really should. I will not bury another Batman. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, another Batman. I, I will not bury another member of the Wayne family because he, he wouldn't have buried another Batman. Or else this would have taken a whole new. I was, quote, I was quoting the trip. All the Batman. They actually, they actually said that in the trip. I will not bury another oh, Batman. Yes, I, I don't remember that. But anywho, um, let's see. Um, Morgan Freeman was good in this film. Yes, he's good in everything. Yes. But he's always Morgan Freeman. He's, he's totally Morgan Freeman. He's Morgan Freeman in everything Morgan Freeman is in. Yeah. And that's okay I, with me. I remember much- this uh, comedian actually commenting on that because you know, when uh, Patrice O'Neill was talking about it, he said the inclusion of that one character made everything make sense. You know, he's like, what, you know, how could a billionaire come up with all this stuff on his own? No, they put in this guy. He's a tech expert that then everything made sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that character in the comics too. I thought it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know who doesn't get enough credit but was great in this movie? Eric Roberts. He's a great actor. Oh my god, and, Star Eighty. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, he, if you guys ever saw that back in the day. Uh, uh, yeah. No, but I've seen a lot of his work, uh, and um, people call him the hardest working actor in Hollywood, mm-hmm. which is understandable. He has like. He has 512 credits as an actor. Like that's, oh, wow. that's he should have a much bigger career than he actually had. You know, I don't know. Yeah, well, I, it, it, you know, he had the, those drug issues in the 90s. Yeah. So I think that uh, the late 80s, 90s that I think, you know, sort of screwed mm-hmm. him. He actually he was interviewed on Q like last week. So um, I'm sure that's up on a podcast for Q right now. Um but I thought he was fantastic, and I, I love seeing him. He was on Suits as well. He's a he great a actor. Great actor. Um, more props, props to Eric Roberts, like all around. Give him yeah. more props. Oh, Plus, come uh, on, Pope yeah. Greenwich Village. Does anybody remember it? Nope. <laughs> oh, the famous line, and that he had this amazing line towards the end of the movie. They took my thumbs. They took my thumbs. 
That would be way more tragic now with kids and cell phones. Um, <laughs> um, but anywho, um, we've talked about different characters in this film, and I think one of the most important characters is the city of Gotham itself. Like it's it's a yes. living, breathing part of the film, and I think. Um, Christopher Nolan definitely wanted to showcase this in all three of the films. Um, I know that um, uh, let's start with, with shows. Cause I know that when he, you were watching it yesterday, you're like, why would anyone want to live in Gotham? Oh, boy, I, I just, <laughs> well, why don't you yeah, like, yeah. like I, I, I texted you about yeah. this because I was watching all of this horrible stuff happening to all these people. Yeah. And, and, and it just popped into my head. Like why, why would you want to live in this sort of, place that's that's so full of crime but for me too when i when i think of gotham like it it makes me think of the uh uh you know like the the um um i'm drawing a blank here the 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 original batman with michael keaton the 89 one yeah yeah i'm thinking thinking about that look gothic gothic yeah yeah like very actually much more of a visual component to the gothic you know you know decrepit nature of gotham city as opposed to like the metropolis or yeah you know the metropolitan yeah Yeah, i I agree i would not want to move into the 89 um gotham (laughs) but maybe the the 2008 i it looked so basically what um sorry sorry to cut you off but uh we'll go back to you shows um sure what nolan did to make this film is that he amalgamated new york city and chicago um, to make um, this like coast city town, so like New York, but he wanted it to feel like Chicago, and you can tell he he filmed in Chicago, and you know all the seat all the anyway all the scenery is very Chicagoy. Um, so basically, he wanted it to feel like this big metrop. No, I should I I, I was gonna say not to We're use the, the word metropolis is a bad one. He, he wanted this <laughs> giant city, like this living city, like New York, like city that never slept. Um, and he, I, I feel like he did. Um, he, he, he was possible. Like he made that possible. Um, so, yeah. just continue on your point. Sorry to, to jump in there. I, I, I guess it's just like all the super villains that that seem to make Gotham their home. Mm-hmm. You know, all of the, um, like the 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 scene in the in the film where they were transferring uh, uh, Harvey Dent to jail, and you know, the, there's this like high speed sort of. Well, that's kind of more of a low speed uh, police chase <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, where, where, you know, their cop cars blowing up everywhere. And, and looking at those scenes, there was still traffic. Like there were still cars and stuff that were driving like beside <laughs> them and a lot behind them. And I was like, how could you, you know, be heading home after a long day at work? And, you know, you see the Joker with a rocket launcher. <laughs> yeah. you know, to, a be, cop car. to be fair, it appears that there's only been a couple really bad bad guys in Gotham, like uh, um, Scarecrow, Joker, Two Face, and later Bane slash. Um, but he was an Catwoman. So. But even Catwoman wasn't really that big of a bad guy. No. Um, so really, it's sort of like if you lived in New York, right? Because you get the mafia there. Mm-hmm. The mafia's still there. They had the mafia in Gotham, um, mm-hmm. and I'm sure, and they had Trump. So you know, there's a big villain there. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> sorry, I made that political. political. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry, he doesn't live there anymore. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, it, 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 I feel like it's not something that happens fairly, fairly regular. Yeah. Um, enough can for you, people can to you be think like, of Gotham without thinking of previous incarnations of Gotham? Like for for me, I couldn't. I couldn't separate that like 2008 
uh, you know, Christopher Nolan Go- Gotham from all the previous, like when I hear Gotham, I think of all the previous Batman incarnations and all, whether they be TV movies animated, mm. you know, it's just, it's Gotham. It's a place. It's got, it's yeah, got, it's like a living a history to it. Yeah. I, I feel like um, just because of how much media, like Batman media, I have consumed that there are so many different ones that I have to separate them or it's just going to be confusing. Yeah. Um, like even now with the current DCEU, like that Gotham is horrible. And it, it, it reminds me more of like, I think that the new one is sort of a mix between 89 and 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Batman versus Superman Gotham? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, the ones... And the, just, and the, the cities, brief Justice the cities League that are, we saw that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much the city that's across the bay from the other giant city. Why they would be two giant cities across the water that within eye distance from each other? I don't know. Because yeah. um, it worked for the story? <laughs> But did it? Did it really? <laughs> no, no. Why would? Why would? Uh, I I don't want to go into no. that with Superman <laughs> and how stupid, stupid that full plot point is. But um, yeah, sorry, Hawk going to Gotham. I can't talk. About well, it, so. again, keeping with the you know, the the realism that he wanted to bring to uh, the Dark Knight series, and that uh, he does. He, he, he really the way he balanced it out, especially in the first film, and that was kind of exempl- exemplified in this one scene. In that where uh, Rachel Dawes is driving a newly returned Bruce Wayne home, and that, and uh, you know, as they're going along a city, it looks like everything else. In that, she decides to take you know when he says that awful thing about not caring. In that, um, she takes yeah. him down that ramp into the underbelly of Gotham, and that, and I think that's where you know the kind of the the true genius of the film kind of takes place. Uh, I'm talking about that. Yeah, it, it it really grounded it, and it made it feel yeah more like there real. is a major metropolitan city, but built over the remains of the old cities, and that, you know, which is basically you know, basically you know, any city going back to Rome, and that you know, cities are always built over the remains of the other cities, and that what separates Gotham from every other kind of uh, uh, fictionalized uh, city uh, uh, in comic books or movies or that is that it's the roots that it, this the are always still there in that no matter how much they build over the city, there are these kind of poisonous roots that still seep up, you know, which it, uh, you can, mm-hmm. you can see it, it quite a bit in Batman begins with the narrows. Uh, you know, uh, the, the entire city looks different as he goes into it. Uh, yeah. I, I really love that. The, it, it felt like the roots of Gotham were, were like crumbling and, were were you know corrupted and i think that that idea has made its way into like the comics way more now that they have the court yes. of hours Cow- court of owls um i don't know if you guys oh, have yeah. heard I've- of them but um it's pretty much like a criminal uh syndicate that goes back to the founding of of gotham mm-hmm. which is amazing um but um i it, it it's really nice to have this super grounded city and I think that's one of the main aspects of these films is that this is a grounded film, but it doesn't feel like out of touch. It doesn't feel, yeah, it doesn't feel out of touch. I think that's, that's, that's a good mm-hmm. way of putting it. Um, another good thing about this film is that it's probably one of the first films that, um, that definitely used two villains properly. Um, what have you guys thought of, like, I think the trend of using more than one villain was, became more in effect after this film and how, like, 
how well they did. Like you could see it in some mm-hmm. of the earlier Batman films, but they didn't do it right. Like I think this is the first film that really did two villains properly. And then it started a chain in Marvel films and then, you know, later DC films about having multiple villains. What do you what are you guys thoughts of using two villains in a film? Too good, good, bad, whatever. Uh, it depends on how they do it. And yeah, you're right. They did it right in this one. Um, you could also say, but you know, the Batman films, uh, are pretty much kind of, they were pretty much, I think Batman returns was probably the Genesis of the two villain movie. Mm Uh, that makes any sense. Uh, Um, but yeah, in this one, yeah, our, our prime focus was always the Joker in that. And, uh, they did, you know, it was sort of stepping on each other's toes or anything. Yeah. No, because like basically, like you know, Harvey was just kind of a, uh, you know his final the uh, was almost like the final card in his deck, you know, if, uh, as in his war against Batman, uh, which you know, I don't know. What do you think, Chess? Like, like it almost seems like the trope is to you know if you're going to have multiple villains, they all have to sort of team up against the hero, mm-hmm. and I think this worked really well because they they didn't they they just existed. Um, they, 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 they interact like they, they were there, like they, they, they were, it was important that they, um, sort of connected in the story, but it wasn't important that they were, you know, fight, battling him at the same time or had the same plan and were implementing it together and, and teamed up. Uh, so I think it worked really well. Or did the team yeah. up and then, uh, one guy eventually has a change of heart like they tried to do with, uh, Spider-Man three. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be remiss just, uh, to continue talking about Batman films without talking about um, Christopher Nolan himself. Um, were you guys f- familiar with his works before the film? And have you seen many of his films afterwards? Yeah. Shows, let's go with you. So, yeah, I didn't realize how... Um, how much I was uh, I was a fan of his work until I actually sat down and took a look through some of his uh, filmography, mm-hmm. and like I, mean, I, I like movies like Inception and Interstellar. Um, I'm a big fan of both those films, and um, I just like I, I really enjoy his work. It's it's very cerebral, um, and, and it, it you know it makes you really consider uh, things that you wouldn't normally consider when watching a film. And and like and they're popular films, so it's like it's amazing that he'll make you think and feel these things in a film that you you thought that you're going just to have some good old popcorn fun. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say I agree with that 100 percent because I I'm not really an artsy film person. Like you know, if there if that's really a description of uh, you know of, of of some film fans, it, it really yeah. is. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Like you guys could probably list off all, all kinds of movies that I haven't seen, but if, if they were bigger and they were more popular and, and, and they were sort of your, your blockbuster summer hit, then, then I, I probably have a better chance of having seen them rather than like, uh, you know, an independent film or something that you might've seen in yeah. a festival. Um, as far as Chris Nolan and that, he's probably like the last true auteur who's working in big budget cinema. Um, you know, I don't, yeah. I would agree with uh, that. When you're at least, uh, at least the new yeah. generation, right? Like the old, the older generation's still there, but they're sort of like under death yeah, rattle, you know. Um, you know, doing things like I don't know, Indiana Jones's son swinging with monkeys or something uh, stupid like that. Anyway, yeah, that's a, that's a <laughs> but I feel like yeah, every oh. single thing we're saying, uh, Steve would have a comment on. Yep. Oh, yep. he would. 
He totally would. <laughs> we miss you, Steve. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Continue, uh, Hawk, about your love of Christopher. So, yeah, we were talking about this before the, it began. That uh, yeah, I've been a fan of his back uh, from Memento and that, uh, and watching him kind of progress from there. Uh, Insomnia, you know, that was one mix. I quite enjoyed that film actually. I think everybody listening to this should probably go back and give that a second uh, uh, mm-hmm. glance. Uh, and when I heard that he was picked up for Batman Begins and that, that was pretty much what really piqued my interest in, in, in seeing the film. Uh, cause I was kind of really coming out of that, my indie, you know, art film phase and that, uh, this was really before like kind of comic book movies really took over again, hearing him being put in charge of a project that large and with a character that iconic and that it was really mm. what whetted my appetite to see the film. And yeah, I, it, it, it came, sort of came out of nowhere. You're like, really? The Memento guy is going to do Batman? Yeah. All right. Cool. I'm looking forward to seeing this. And then, I mean, you know, Batman Begins, it did what it did box office wise. Did very well box office wise. I don't think people give it enough credit. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a year later, he comes out with The Prestige. Oh. Such a, yeah. a fantastic movie. Uh, it's something that you can watch over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Um I that that film incredible. Like you got to see Wolverine, like sorry, Hugh Jackman, um yeah. act in a different light. Like like you normally saw him in action films, but this was or you know, romantic comedies, but this was sort of another oh, cerebral film, right? Oh, da- these, and dark. These, these two men in that it, it locked in this kind of in, in, in this struggle, you know, over theater. Yeah. yeah. Uh um yeah, and it's incredible. Like he, every single one of his films, I think brings something new to the plate. Like, mm-hmm. like he, he brought this new feeling to the comic book universe by doing the Batman dark Knight, and then dark Knight rises. He took like, he took film editing and put it on its head with memento. Um, just editing and storytelling. Right. Um, you and- get like the prestige, you get, you get the idea of magic, but like, and performance and then you make it dark and like the book was great too like i i, I have never read well. the book oh i'll let you borrow it sometime oh, um cool. but then you you get then you go into the deep sci-fi with interstellar right like the 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 science just behind that film is incredible yeah. and, and then and then you go even further like to his film from last year you go to dunkirk yeah. and you see another master class in editing and storytelling and like just like every single film that he's done has like raised the stakes in that genre. And it's incredible. I don't think Dunkirk is the best war film personally. Cause I think that that goes to saving private Ryan for me. Um, Cause I love that film, but like, I think I Dunkirk is like just from that, the, the, the first sequence where that those, those guys are like trying to find water and just like walking around Dunkirk <laughs> And then chaos happens, and then from that point forward, it's a heart attack. Yeah, for like two or three hours. Yeah. Um, I saw it in seventy millimeter, like I said earlier when we were talking about the IMAX stuff, and I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Like you don't get that from any other filmmakers, pretty much anymore. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think. And speaking of the way, of, as far as editing and storytelling and that, uh, Dunkirk was brilliant on this on this other level in that in portraying three different stories in three different uh, time periods. 
Because the first story yep. he was telling and that with the men waiting on the beach took place over a week. Uh, the the yeah. boat trip across the bay uh, took place over the course of a, of a day. And then the aerial combat fights involving Tom Hardy took place over the course of a 45-minute period. You know? Yeah. And he, he blended those in almost seamlessly in that. I actually – not – Maybe not seamlessly in that, but in a way that I had to go back and say, "How is he doing this? Wait a minute! Here's Hillian Murphy's character, and he's back. He's back in the with the rest of them, you know, on the rafts." Yeah, the moment when you start seeing things like, and you're like, "Wait a minute, that's weird!" And oh, and then and then he ties it all in with that brilliant ending that shows hasn't seen yes. yet. Yeah, let's not. Let, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's no, not really a spoiler. It's more the event. You should have done your homework, shots. The event happened. <laughs> the event happened like 80 years ago, I think. I think hey, no, don't don't really... give it away. I want to know who wins that war. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, think, I think it's safe to say that I think um, his influence on film is going to be felt for a long time. Um, I don't really want to talk about his influence on the current DCEU. I think that's a, a, a topic for another day. Um, maybe, maybe we'll talk about Justice League or maybe when Shazam comes out, we can see if that Nolan groundedness that they tried to capture is still there or something. Oh, Aquaman's in December. We can talk about it then. Um, we will talk about it then. Uh, there's a one point I wanted to bring up as far as uh, Chris Nolan's approach to film. Go for it. In, in contrast to current comic book movies, no, see, you know, lack of or bare minimum use of CGI. I agree that 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 yeah. was, yeah. and it, he did something weird. Like he put Batman in sunlight, um, I and know, it, yeah. and it sort of worked. Like most people were like, "Oh, that's weird," um, but he made it. He made this weird practical Batman, and and everything was practical, and that mm-hmm. was incredible. Um, yeah. Um, going back to the Dark Knight, uh, uh, one of my favorite scenes was the when he when he flipped the truck over, you know? oh. and a lot of people a lot of people wondered how that happened in that because everybody at the time was like, was saying CGI. He did it through CGI. No, he did it through a very practical effect of that that I wanted to uh, illustrate for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, in flipping that tractor trailer over, what they used was a huge hydraulic hammer inside the uh, cargo container that the truck was pulling. Yep. And it was completely painted, you know, green <laughs> so that they could green screen it out uh, in the final editing process. Yeah. The, they, um, they actually released a making of that sequence before the film came out because there was such a big, like, I don't know, response to seeing that in the trailer. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they have it on the Blu-ray too. It's, it's, I love that on all of his Blu-rays, he has behind the scenes on how he did practical things yeah. in there. And that's amazing, especially in Dunkirk when they used actual old planes. But anyway, um, you know what? Or or the Batpod. Because uh, I remember, I do remember the, the sequence on that because they were talking about how they were, you know, that was largely being considered to being handed off to a CGI company to do in that. But once a practical, uh, you know, actual mechanical device was built in that and they were getting these shots yeah. of, uh, you know, bail on it and that, you know, with the cape flowing in the background and that, he knew he had to incorporate, you know, the real I, one. Into I the think movie. that's the most magnificent thing is that they didn't get the cape stuck in the wheel. Like yeah. they made it possible that that was not going to happen. Because I remember seeing it the first time. I was like, if his cape yeah. 
gets stuck in that giant wheel, that man is dead. Yes. <laughs> I think the only real CGI part was the ejection sequence. Um, right. Like they blew up the the Batmobile, but the 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 actual motorcycle coming out was not real. Yeah, you can um, tell that actually if you look closely. But but whatever. That's fine. The one CGI scene, I think we're fine with. <laughs> yeah. Suffice it to say, I still believe that this is probably one of the best, if not the best comic book film I've ever seen. And I think it 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 does hold that um, that place in my heart. Mm-hmm. I think it is probably the best comic books film ever. Um, uh, let's, you know what? Since we've been talking about Batman for such a long time, and I know we have to we have to end this podcast soon. Um, and I and my wife is walking back here, trying not to make any noise so that she doesn't show Bye up bang. on here. <laughs> um, why don't we talk about? Um, we were talking about different incarnations of, of the Batman um, on screen. What would be your favorite portrayal of Batman, either live action, animated? Um, it's hard to say comic book because comic book is comic book. But um, Hawk, why don't you go first? What's your favorite Batman? Um. I'll throw out a dark horse here in that it was uh, released after, I think it was, was it released after Dark Knight? I can't remember. Uh, but Batman Gotham Knight, uh, these, uh, I think hmm. it was six different stories in that uh, told, it told between uh, Batman Begins and the Dark Knight. And it was a fantastic portrayal of Batman in that. Uh, I believe it started out with a bunch of children in that, in Gotham and that, who were telling all, all telling their, reports of seeing the batman and how very yeah yeah i remember it it reminded me of the animatrix that whole uh that whole thing yeah Uh, the stories were all great there was one in particular uh called pain management uh where bruce uh after or batman after being wounded and that uh, in trying to find his way through a sewer was going through a memory of his trips through india and that looking for gurus to teach him pain management which was this technique of uh uh basically not blocking out pain, but learning how to control your reactions to it. And it was another mm-hmm. one of those things that really kind of put you into, it threw you into the psychology of, uh, of Bruce uh, as, as far yeah. as like how far he went in his training and uh, to become this person. Mm. I think my favorite part about Gotham Knights, and I have that on blue DVD, Blu-ray. I'm pretty sure I have it on Blu-ray. Yeah, blue DVD. Um, um, is uh, that they got Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman that's always in my yes. head from the uh, original animated series to, you know, come back and do the voice of the bat. For yes. that. Um, what about you, Shells? What's your favorite uh, incarnation of Batman? Okay, so I've, I've got I've got two that I'm going to mention. Um, one of them Sorry, I, sort of, I have two as well. Okay, one, one of them I sort of mentioned before, and that's the uh, Michael Keaton's uh, portrayal of Batman, specifically the, the Tim Burton 1989 batman movie classic mm, that's fair and you know i was you know i i was what, what i've been like eight years old when that movie yep. came out and that movie was everywhere when that came out oh, 11 years i was 11 when it came out and boy oh that was my whole world it was everyone's whole world it was yeah. on every magazine it was in every newsstand it was on the radio station because of prince oh there's and, lots of prince like, it was it was everywhere and you know what i didn't mind it it was yeah. cool because you didn't see batman shirts until that movie yeah, I don't yeah. think I at least I don't recall ever seeing a Batman shirt until that movie. And I was like, oh, man, I want a Batman shirt. I don't think I ever yeah. got one. But that that yeah. iconic sort of Batman logo with the bat, the bat surrounded by the gold sort of. Yeah. Yes. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I had a poster in my room with, with just that logo on it. And mm-hmm. 
I love the movie too. It was it was dark, and I mean, it was really Tim Burton, and it was like we talked yeah, about. It was very sure. goth, like the way that they yeah. they did the set the set uh, dressing and everything. For sure. Um, I, I remember uh, uh, in particular the part where the bat wing flies up into the clouds and yeah. it goes up and does the symbol in the moon. Right over the moon. Yeah, I remember thinking that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in film <laughs> at that time. Uh, the best thing about that movie I remember is that it was actually something I, you know, because my dad brought me to see it and I, you know, and he was just half expecting to have to sit through a kid's film and that. Yeah. Jack Nick, yeah, but he was there for Jack Nicholson and he loved it. I remember being because we were eight at the time when that movie came yeah. out. I remember being scared in that movie because of the frightening the, parts. The yeah. the beginning when they were, they were doing the surgery uh, when he was doing the the surgery yes. on himself. Yeah, and I was like, oh man, this is crazy. Oh, that back alley doctor and that he's like, I had I did yeah. the best I could. Look at what I'm working with. Mirror, <laughs> mirror. Oh, it's like so, and you know, it's so classic. Like so many of the sequences in there, you know, because it, you know. You don't you don't become a classic unless you're parodied on The Simpsons, right. and that yeah. that movie got parodied to, when, to when hell and back. the clown slams down the mirror. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, what was your other one though, uh, shows? The, the the other one just goes back to the discussion I said I had before about about you know I like it to be very whimsical. I like it to be fun. I like to mm-hmm. have a you know a smile, a big smile on my face when I watch Batman. And yeah. so I'm going to say the Lego Batman movie. Oh, oh, I thought you were gonna go with the Adam uh, West one, but yeah, Bat- Lego Batman. Oh man, I I had so much fun with the Lego Batman movie because I was able to let go of all of my sort of preconceived notions of of what Batman should be, and and I was just able to have fun with all of the little jokes and all of the uh, lighthearted approach to to the character mm-hmm. and well to all the characters, and and I remember I, I took my son to see it. Uh, it was one of his first films that he seen in the movie theater, nice. and. And we just had a blast watching it. We were laughing the whole time. And and mm-hmm. it was still Batman. And there were a lot of inside jokes in there for, for people who have been fans for a long time. So uh, well done. Like, so, like, yeah, those Easter eggs in that film. Man, we should talk about the Lego Batman movie sometime. Yeah. Or at least Lego movies in general, because I think they're all done really well. Chelsea, I, I have not um, seen the Ninjago movie, but I don't know. Maybe it's good. <laughs> I haven't seen that one either, but I heard it's all right. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of uh, background in Ninjago that I won't know. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's a universe that's already like had TV series and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, the Lego Batman, like seeing him in the Lego movie and just the popularity of how like of that character that would spin off into this own movie by itself was incredible oh, yeah, yeah. Like, Will Arnett. and they did it so well like they did just... was so good as batman and that was really like you could see that the the bruce wayne was the mask in that because he was always as batman um, pretty <laughs> yeah. much unless he was at that party yeah in that in the bat in the lego batman film oh and like the i think the good thing about the lego batman movie is that the idea of family which is really important to the character of batman was really the it was the cornerstone of that the film. The main theme, yeah. Yeah. And I and as a family film, that's amazing to have. Plus they brought back Billy D. Williams as Two Face. <laughs> Come on. That's amazing. Shows, uh, so you know your son's yeah. gonna be talking about this in a podcast thirty years from now. I remember going to see this with my dad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's yeah. not gonna be. It's not gonna be a podcast. It's gonna be some sort of thing that gets beamed into people's yes. brains, right? <laughs> Neur- that, neural cast. Yeah. Yeah, and there, uh, you know what? You should coin that. And you should oh, copyright immediately. It and, get that oh, site yeah. totally. 
tomorrow. Get that get that yeah. domain. <laughs> get that domain and then get the the dot org and all of the dot nets and whatnot. Um oh man, I didn't even think about Lego Batman when I was thinking about my favorite incarnation. I also have two. Um Hawk, did you want to put a second one out there because we're both gonna oh, do two? Second one before I go into my right. line. Um I will go with Batman Begins, because, you know, this is, it really kicked off. Yeah. So you, the, the Nolan verse. Yeah, the Nolan in general. general, but in particular, Batman Begins. I remember coming out of that theater just buzzing, you know, and it's kind of like, mm-hmm. uh, I, and I told my brother, go see this movie, and he's like, really, Batman? Are you sure? I was like, yes, you have <laughs> to see this movie. See, now, yeah, now I no. have to watch it again, because I feel like I'm, I will have a different. Uh, For sure. I think, I think, film. I think now that, um, the society like society in general is way more comic book savvy i think i think those films have aged like a wine like a a good wine i don't know about dark knight rises maybe i'll watch it again maybe tonight or nope it's late maybe tomorrow um but like you know those those films have a maturity in it that you know you don't really you don't really see in no because it really took you into the psychology of the character in that you know and it's like you know it wasn't just some guy leaping from rooftops and that you know the training he went into in that you know, it being, you know, taught to, you know, you can fight seven men and that I will teach you how to engage 700. Yeah. yeah. That, that, the whole ninjas. Anyway, <laughs> let's not get into that. Or we're going to talk about Batman Begins forever. Um, so um, I loved, I think, I think various little aspects from all the Batmans, I think are really good. I think, I think, I don't think there's been a really bad yeah. portrayal of Batman. Even like, I like Ben Affleck. People, People give him crap, but I think he's probably one of the better things of the DCEU. This is not one of my things, but I think his I think his portrayal is quite good. Um, also, his Daredevil. Um, <laughs> this is Steve. Uh, <laughs> so I think my my number one when Affleck was the bomb in Phantom. <laughs> yeah, Phantom's like a mo. Um, <laughs> the um, <laughs> I think uh, my favorite incarnation is ba- of Batman is Batman. Uh, the animated series. Uh, um, I know we talked about it. What was it last week yeah, or two we, weeks ago? Yeah, or something? The last podcast we had, we ended up kind of broaching that because of the box uh, that coming uh, but, out. Yeah, but that universe is perfect to me. I think everything, the mythology, is done perfectly. I think Kevin Conroy has the perfect Batman voice versus a perfect Bruce Wayne voice. Like he has his natural bassy voice as Batman, but then he pitches it higher as Bruce Wayne. So I think that's I think that's brilliantly done as a voice actor. Um, I think all the the villains have been you know perfect in that animated series. Like Mark Hamill is the Joker is the, is the Joker voice I hear in my head. Um, you know, pretty much everything I read now or think about when I think about Batman is done with those guys' voices. I think you know, perfect. Uh, my my second really way off portrayal of batman that i think is so good is batman beyond um yeah which no one thinks about anymore because it's been off the off the air for such a long time but i love that series i think terry mcginnis as batman is such a good like counterpart to old man bruce wayne who's stuck in his ways and you know um terry mcginnis sort of feels like spider-man mixed with batman put together and i think that's Right. The the way that they did that was brilliant, and I'm sad that they never ended up doing the the movie that they were planning on doing when um the Batman movies failed. 
um like originally failed the i'm talking about the um you know the schumacher yeah ones, cause they were, one of the one of the proposed things before uh they ended up with batman begins was batman Oof. beyond um which i think would be perfect and i think if they do it you know eventually like nowish maybe not nowish because of the dceu but they could totally have michael um keaton come back as old man bruce wayne i saw that and art, i saw oh, that cool. headline about that recently uh what yeah there was Someone, somebody was posting about that you know bringing but you know it's like they wanted to see you know old man keaton come back as old man bruce i feel like that that would be more of the the what, what was it called the um uh the dark knight returns or whatever the um you know the the frank miller mm. thing i think they wanted to see that kind of old man batman um but I'm, I, I would love to see Batman Beyond. Yeah, I wish I was more familiar be, with that series than that. I may have to go back and read. You, you would love it. You would really like it. They did really smart things. They didn't just rehash all the old villains nice. and stuff. But they did bring back the Joker brilliantly in a in a animated film. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Um, is it on? Uh, is it on DVD or? It is on DVD, and I assume it's going to be on Blu-ray eventually because they pop it uh they popped the animated series onto blu-ray this fall so hopefully oh. i'll see batman beyond on blu-ray or digital next year or in two years but we'll see hopefully it won't just be on dc universe that stupid uh, <laughs> uh streaming service that's coming out yeah. soon but um oh we should talk about one day we should talk about how brendan frazier's on doom patrol <laughs> Um, uh, and I think that's a, yeah, I, I, that. I think that's brilliant casting. I love Brendan Fraser. The Mummy is an amazing movie. But let's, I want to see more Brendan Fraser. I agree. Yeah, exactly. He needs to come back. Um, but yeah. let's throw it out to our audience. What What do you? What was your favorite incarnation of Batman? Or you know what? Tell us what what you love about the Dark Knight. Why don't you send us an email at podcast at geekswithkids.ca, or you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekswithkidspodcast. Follow us on Twitter at GeeksWithKidsCN. You could always uh, listen to all of our podcasts on GeeksWithKids.Lipson.com. Or, you know what? Why don't you jump on Spotify? We're now streaming on that Ooh. service, iTunes, Stitcher, and you know all your other favorite podcasting services. So thank you guys for coming thank on board. Me. Talking about talking about the, the bat, yeah, and oh, it's fun. I know this won't be our last time talking about Batman. Oh, are you kidding? You know, <laughs> you know, we got to talk about. Uh, we got the we the, got the Joker the, movie coming out next year. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, the Joaquin Phoenix. We'll talk about Joker in general. Mm-hmm. There, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Uh, we, then we can just talk about Mark Hamill and how he's the the internet's favorite dad. Um, yeah. Anyway, for geeks with kids, thanks for listening and have a good one. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. And then we stop. Bye.